Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello and welcome to this week's Mallover podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mallover Podcast, Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook, uh, and you can find all of our podcasts and lots of other sports-related podcasts on the Sports Social Network. Um, We're back, it's been a while, bit of a hiatus, we've fallen out of rugby, we've fallen out of love of rugby, we've not necessarily back in love with rugby. We've gone to some relationship therapy and some relationship counselling. And for the sake of the kids, uh, we're going to give it one more go. Uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, let's let's see what happens. Um, I am joined this I'd week. I just like to say, I sorry, Russ, go on. No, go, go on. on, mate. You've already ruined introduced the yourself of, there. Ruined, ruined the start of the show now, haven't I? You haven't ruined I'd anything. I'd just like to say well done to all those podcasts at Wadey Free Treacle to keep it bringing us content every week. Um, I didn't listen to any of it. No, I, I absolutely agree. So that was the Lensman, the Chinese Lensman on Facebook. Chinese underscore Lensman, not in any way racist. Um, known to some by the name Dougie Wong. Known to some, the name Mike Friday, but you know, welcome back, Doug. It's nice to have you. I hope we're going to be a bit cheerier. We're going to we're going to go for a new angle, or maybe not. Uh, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. It was quite interesting working on the sevens um, in LA. Don't know if I've told you about that. Um, well, maybe but, you can tell us about that in a minute. Oh, it was, it was just quite fun to um, enlighten the sevens because they they travel the world doing all of it, and I sort of drop into a couple of them, you know, did London, doing LA, doing LA again in February, might do a couple more, who knows. Um, the the Mike Friday moniker has made it to that. So I'm getting known as uh, Mike Friday around the cameraman circles now. I mean, that's decent. The, the minute you put your gigs on, you are literally the spitting <laughs> image of, of Mike Friday, which is, which is decent. It's funny because when you take yours off, you're the spitting image of a human thumb. <laughs> Or John Hartson, who, for those of <laughs> football wish. fans, um, I went You're to an evening an evening with John Hartson, and I think you'll find I am not. <laughs> I stood next to him, and it was like, well, not quite twins with Danny DeVito, put it that way. <laughs> um, we are also joined by someone else this week, and it's a warm welcome back to the shining light of our podcast, the the guy who's always the most positive um, and the, the kindest 
to to everybody to all and sundry and uh some of our listeners favorite podcast member it's ben eustace welcome back ben hi hi russ i've i've just googled mike friday and that is uncanny isn't it just <laughs> there's a picture of him in his wasp shirt that um is is yeah. quite quite honestly concerning when I first yeah, came up several. with it, when I first came yeah. up with this Mike Friday email, and Doug's been in my phone as Mike Friday for quite a considerable amount of time, and um, <laughs> you know, I thought I'd it's it's the jackpot of all doppelgangers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there's one of him there look, looking pensively into the middle distance, and that is, and that was and that was Doug at the ball over invitational. One. Is it the black and white one, Ben? Yeah, the black and white one and the one next Yeah, the to black it. and white one is the one I used to show everyone and they were like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also, there's also, you won't be able to see it. There's that one as well. Hang on. It's, this is that's great listenership. One. This is the one. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's <laughs> that, the that is the absolute one. one. Maybe you need to just pop those on there. I, w- I will. For the sake of the listenership, yeah. I am going to put these photographs and I will find a photograph of Doug in his glasses. I, I think I, there's one from the say, MOI. I would say that, that that is the one. That is the one. Yeah, the one. That's how I. That's how I imagine you watch like a a driver off the tee. Yeah. The funny yeah. thing is, the funny thing is, he's actually got. He, he grows just as shit a beard as me as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an incredible, uncanny likeness, and I'm gonna I'm gonna crop up. Maybe, maybe we need to get me and Mike together in a room to prove we are two people. I, I mean, that would be that would be superb. Maybe Rachel Burford could judge it. <laughs> what with you? <laughs> I mean, she'd judge me. I've got no <laughs> doubt. Um, yeah. So you know, more over podcast. We're back. I can't remember the last time we actually podcasted. Um, I think. Once we recorded our last episode, people thought I was, you know, very close to jumping off a cliff and taking all my podcast gear with me. Um, and to be fair, I probably was. But we've we've come a long way since then, Ben. Um, you were telling me you're now offic- officially retired. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, obviously, I'm going to end up playing at some stage for the second team if, if we ever get one. But um, at the moment, I'm retired. Yeah, as as am I back in retirement. Um, the housewife's favourite, who can't be with us tonight for for reasons unknown. I think he said surf life saving or something of that nature. Is that the housewife's favourite, Phil Farm Vet, has taken over as head coach of Nuki Hornets first team, um, and in the first game of the season, came off the bench and played a few minutes at eight, only to um, smash his shoulder to pieces and break a rib and tear a AC joint and whatever else he's done. So I think she feels short-lived comeback has, uh, has put him firmly uh, on the medical bench again, but now Nuki Hornets, at least they've got some, uh, some leadership. Hopefully that'll. What, what level are Nuki Hornets at? Uh, probably. Well, fuck knows. Level eight, level seven. There is a dedicated Cornwall league now. So. Is there? You know, I was just yeah. thinking there should be an interpod head coach off between JB's uh, um, Didsbury Talk H who are level seven as well. 
Yeah, I've got no doubt that at this current moment in time that Didsbury would pull Nuki's pants down and do unspeakable things, given the fact that well, this if weekend... You're, if, you're, if you're being ringed in for 10, then yeah. Probably. Given given the fact that last weekend, um, Nuki were due to play in Luggan, in Luggan Park, affectionately known as Hooligan Park. Um, I broke my ribs there. Couldn't raise a side. They couldn't raise a side? Yeah. It's a sad wow. state of affairs. And I know George, who's the team manager who listens to this and has been on a few times, honorary guest George Ferris, who's the team manager, is equally as disappointed by the current turn of events. But I'm sure they'll turn it around and uh, we wish them all the best. But the likelihood of Ben and I being wheeled out at the ripe old age of 40 plus is uh, undoubtedly going to happen at some point this season. So watch this space. Um some people may ask about more over it, I find that tragic. But... Yeah. It's tra- it's I, tragic. I find it really, you know, tragic, but um you can get tiny little villages in Cornwall that can produce a team but the biggest city or town in in Cornwall can't muster a, a side. I thought it's Mad. just mental. It's happening everywhere, mate. It's happening everywhere. But um with that in mind, the uh, the Mallover Invitational that may or may not have been scheduled for the 29th of October um, is now in potential jeopardy as far as a, a fixture is concerned, but we will still be hopefully doing some kind of... Maybe, maybe we should turn it into just a Mallover Invitational piss-up. That's exactly where I was going. Mallover meet-up. So anybody that wants to come to Nuki, we'll try and get a fixture in. And uh, if we can't, then just come and meet us because we're great guys. And uh, well, Ben is, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, Phil's okay, yeah, less so. He's just, I can't, no one that, that good looking is that nice of a bloke. It's a good point, that is a good <laughs> point, right? Should we let, let's talk about some rugby? Obviously, this week saw the return of the Gallagher Premiership, and I was trying my best to be really excited by it. And looking forward to a big West Country derby under lights, Ashton Gate on on Friday night. Only for the uh, the sad passing of the Queen on Thursday, whilst Doug and I were at the Oval, not watching any cricket, not watching cricket, sat sat in the Beehive, um, not as I say, not watching a single ball of, of Test cricket. Um. Only for the games on Friday, so that was Saints and Sale as well to be to be postponed, out of uh, a mark of respect to the Queen. But the games on Saturday and those games then to be rearranged for Sunday. Um, lots of other sport was cancelled at the weekend. Lots of other sport went ahead. What did you make, Ben? What did you make of the the postponements on on Friday? Right thing to do, in your opinion, or um, do you think we should have just kind of? Just cracked on. Like I personally, I think football, everything. I can't imagine the Queen would have wanted everyone to go. You know what, kids, especially grassroots stuff. Kids, yeah, don't play football this Saturday because because uh, now I'm not here anymore. I want you to all not not play football. I can't imagine for one second that she'd want that. I I think that's probably right. I think the the Queen as a person probably would would have been more than happy for it all to go ahead. Um. There was a article in one of the papers a few years ago um, called called London Bridge Has Fallen, which was the sort of plan for when this actually happened that's been in place for a long time. 
And I was actually surprised having read that, that more stuff wasn't cancelled. Um, just because it, you know, that made it sound like it was going to be a full solid 10 days of, of almost, you know, everything being postponed and TV was just going to be... On, on um, that note, it, it, and... it was never going to be a full 10 days, was it? I mean, we can't watch a two-minute video on Twitter without scrolling to the next one. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm like amazed it it's gone on as long as it has. Yeah, I think it has been sort of scaled, scaled back a little bit to suit the modern world. So, you know, when they did cancel them, I wasn't surprised. And I was actually, you know, expecting the Saturday games to be off as well. Um, but I think, you know, in ret- retrospect, going ahead with the games probably wouldn't have been a big issue. Um the only thing I can think of really as, as an issue is if people would have assumed they were cancelled and not turned up. But, you know, that's on your own back, isn't it? There's lots of logistics like kind of involved in that. And you think if they're going to if they're going to cancel or postpone the games from the from the Friday night to move them directly to the to the Saturday evening and the Sunday. There, can I just all... throw a disclaimer in here? Yeah, go on. I fully support every decision Premiership Rugby made. Okay, mate. Perfect. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't going to go to you on this. I was just, just thinking for the fans, people that have, you know, made plans and weekend plans specifically around um, going to that, those games on a Friday night to then go, right, okay, well, we'll move Bristol Bath to, to Saturday randomly at half past five. Um, and then we'll move St. Sale to Sunday at two o'clock or whenever it was. No, all all the you would have thought it would have made more sense to just postpone them until such time as they they could fit them in, rather than try and shoehorn yeah, think, them in I at some like some point very quickly. I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to reschedule three weeks in advance or four weeks in advance rather than tomorrow, isn't it? Um, For everybody you know, concerned. The shame of it is, is Bath Bristol sounded like it was a fantastic game of rugby as well. Yeah. Yeah, that nobody really got to watch. Yeah, none of us have seen So No, and I get Um, that there's all sorts of logistics involved in that as well. So, you know, I don't want to get too um, political in that sense for for a number of reasons. But I just... It's sometimes... as As a layman, it's hard to comprehend the decisions that some of these people that some of these people make and i read from a from a number of sources um mainly twitter so obviously i believe everything on twitter the the reason the games weren't played on friday is because there were a couple of premiership rugby chairmen that didn't want them to be played on friday and those chairmen were not one of the four that were actually involved in those games. So why the fuck Premiership Rugby bending over for, for, you know, two of the stakeholders that weren't involved when it was nothing to do with them stinks to me as a real issue for the backbone and the, um, I'm trying to think of the best word, the, you know, the respectability of premiership rugby as an entity, because it's the, basically it's the tail wagging the dog, isn't it? You've only got to look at what's going on at Worcester, potentially what could have happened at Wasps. You know, all of the power within premiership rugby sits within the the 13 stakeholders and 
base and and the, the people that run those clubs and and essentially every single other person in the country that follows rugby can just fuck right off. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean you, sorry, Russ, you're a bit, you're a bit breaky uppy. So was I? Sorry, I think what you were getting at was that um, is largely true. I mean, it, from an outside, from 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 the perspective of somebody who's booked their ticket, booked a hotel, booked travel, potentially taking an afternoon off work, it's not a good look to be taking as long as it took to make the decision but in their defense i think it's incredibly hard to get 13 people with their own interests to i mean it's hard enough to get us three to organize the podcast can you imagine the logistics that go, that go into getting 13 highly successful men well, 11 highly successful men into a room and um, sort out large problems given what was going on around the public sentiment towards everything. So I, I can see potentially why. I do, I do think there's a communication issue with with, with the league on, on a number of fronts, but I don't know what the answer is because... It's not like like rugby's quite often cited the NFL as where they should look to for a, for an example, but the NFL have their ducks in a row in that they have one bloke who kind of is employed by the owners as a mediator between the owners and the players and the public. So he's like a public figurehead that actually has a little bit of influence, and I'm not entirely sure that there's the same figure within Premiership Rugby. I think it's probably a role that should be introduced, but almost certainly won't be. Like it's, there should like be some Dr. kind Rob of Andrew, isn't it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there should be like an an independent like ombudsman, like an overseer. Yeah, it goes. Like it goes back. It goes back right to the to the sort of disciplinary committees and stuff that happen at premiership rugby employ people to make decisions but they can arbitrarily change the process by which that happens because they're the people that make up the process it, yeah. it just it, it it feels like it's a when when did the premiership start like early 2000s uh, yeah, it's got to be somewhere 2000. It just feels like it. Too. It feels like it's just been allowed to grow into this thing that's become sort of unchecked, and there's no there's no processes or checks and balances in place to sort of ensure that good decisions are made, and everyone's just sort of out for their own. It reminds me a lot of like how the freelance cameraman world is, in that everyone will do what's best for them, and it doesn't really matter if it makes things better long term or short term as long as the bills are paid next month is that because in a way it's uh not as high what's the word it's not it's a little bit more down but down market than the nfl isn't it like the 
each NFL club is is raking in millions, whereas most rugby clubs aren't. But they so, they weren't always Ben. They weren't yeah. always. There's a long time where the NFL didn't make a lot. Like Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys for like fifty million quid. Yeah, or something. You know, which by today's numbers, where to buy the Cowboys would probably take fifty billion. That hasn't happened by accident. There's been a lot of processes involved around um, sort of how to approach groupthink, how to engage the public, how to, you know, mitigate the players being dicks, how to market itself. You know, the, the case in point, case in point with the, the NFL, that the premiership could adopt overnight that would help the entire league. They could have a um, collective agreement whereby they employ one kit manufacturer to make the kits for the entire league and they do revenue sharing. But they won't because a club like Leicester are going to sell more shirts than a club like Worcester. And so Leicester will comparatively get less money. But for the good of the league, they would all get more money because there would be they would all get more money because they would all be more solvent because the profits that are being made are being spread to enhance the quality of the league. But it will never happen because Leicester are going to get their money from Samurai and Worcester are going to get their money from O'Neill or whoever makes their kits and they'll keep that little pot and that's mine and that's yours and we don't touch each, touch each other's stuff. They could, we- just get, they could just get Canterbury to make 13 club shirts Canterbury pay the league or whoever a set fee and then you walk into a premier you know like the NFL has NFL shops where everything in that shop in London anything you buy in there is split 32 ways and each team gets the same amount yeah. now clubs make their own money in the NFL by selling concessions at the ground and doing stuff within their within their sphere of influence so within their local market but if you buy an NFL shirt, that money goes to 32 clubs at which, the end of the season. Which in a league like the NFL, where you are limited to 32, much like the premiership now is limited to 13 and they've shut the door and they've bolted it up and no one's ever going to get in depend, despite what anybody else says. They they are then short-sighted in, in their views when they're trying to compete financially, because yeah, because for catchment, Worcester yeah, are never going to compete. To understand why? I think, you know, I'm no, I'm I'm no financial wizard. I don't know if this is right or wrong. But from the outside looking in, it seems like if you're an NFL club, say you're the Jaguars, and you don't sell out your ground to an investor coming in, you can say, well, I'm part of a business that generates fifty billion quid. Yeah, now, you don't generate fifty billion quid if you're the Jaguars, but the NFL does, and you have a part in that. Now, if you're Worcester and you're trying to sell Worcester Warriors, you can say, well, we sell 5,000 kits from O'Neill's. If they bundle it all together within the premiership and say, well, the premiership, which we own a 13th of, makes X amount a year. So if you're buying in, you're getting a share of that. Yeah. Like every single penny that these rugby clubs make, if they're going to close the shop, should be consolidated and split evenly. It's scaling up, isn't it? It's scaling up everything. And then because that way, any decision you make is for the good of the league and therefore your team or your investment. 
and that way that would avoid the situation we're in at the moment potentially excuse me with well, it should, because it would be a more attractive proposition to buy into exactly exactly so there there we go there we go that is that is the the welcome back to to prem to prem rugby with some some ideas of you know but let's let's talk about some action for a few minutes obviously saturday on the telly box was Exeter versus champions Leicester. Um, and Ben, I don't know if you watched much of this. I, I caught quite a bit of it and it was a, it was a funny game. It was an odd game, lots and lots of kicking, which yeah. Leicester, but Leicester, Leicester back there, you know, their game plan on and Exeter have done themselves to a certain extent over the years, which is, a, which is a, right. We're just going to, we're going to make you make a mistake. Of which Joe Simmons did at one point, trying to try yeah. to chip kick to to Ollie Woodburn, but charged down by a marauding Dan Cole. Um, <laughs> but but it kind of it was a fascinating game. Yes, you know people will say I don't like kicking and I don't like this and I don't like that. But if you're doing it as a means to an end to force a mistake, people won't like it. For me, I saw it as a bit more of a tactical battle and and I thought the game on the whole was good and it was enthralling enough to have that last minute victory Exeter could have and probably should have scored two or three times before they did and there would be Leicester fans out there that would argue that they shouldn't have been given the try that they were actually given um was there anybody in particular or anything that, that stood out for you in the the Exeter um I, I think it I think it was one of those games where if it had happened in the middle of the season you'd have quite enjoyed it but at the start of the season it was just a little bit of an anti-climax and you know the fact that a lot of the England players and the other internationals weren't playing you know I'd forgotten about that so I was was looking forward to seeing seeing my boy Freddie play and then uh, it was Ashton instead which was a bit underwhelming but I think you know I I think Gopeth is is a good signing for Leicester um, he's like know, the Jimmy yeah. Anderson of Premiership Rugby, isn't he, Jimmy Gopper? Yeah, yeah. Wherever yeah. he goes, he's just kind of successful, and he he led that Leicester team really, really well. I mean, Burns went off with with concussion or whatever in the first half or at halftime, and his tactical kick in, his you know his nous, his his ability to put the ball in the right areas, you know, it nearly got Leicester over the line. In fairness, um, yeah, I think so, and I think with with the, with those games, uh, with that game, both teams you know, put in really good team performances. They defended really well and they were pretty disciplined with their game plans, you know, other than, like you say, Simmons lost his patience in the end, but yeah. both teams really stuck at it quite, you know, in, you know, their coaches would have probably been pl- quite pleased with them. Um, you know, I, the, um, the, the commentary were, were very big on the, the Welsh flanker, who I'm really not going to try and pronounce his name. Tommy Redfall. Oh, no, Chris. Oh, oh, Chris. Yeah. Um, she, and, and, oh, yeah. Big, big Chris. Big Chris. Yeah, big Chris. And, you know, I think he showed up pretty well. And um, he should be. He, he should do. Because isn't he meant to be like the greatest player that's ever lived, Mark? Yes, he is. TM. Yeah. Um, and I thought um, Skinner did pretty well as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a game that was fine. Um, I think <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement. Isn't it? <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. It was like, it was fine. 
you know. Um, just the, the Premiership the, champions against the previous year's champions, you know. It yeah, was fine. It was that game without their best players, wasn't it? You know. Don't um, get me started on those, like the, the progressive rugby type people who who tweeted on Friday about Jack Noll and Ennis Genge playing at the weekend for their respective clubs. Um, Ennis Genge, you know, they were talking about return to play and having to sustain breaks throughout the, throughout the season and, and having a, a minimum of a 10 week break following the summer internationals, failing to acknowledge at any point that Jack Noll had played no rugby since February, but since he broke his arm, um, in the uh, France match of the Six Nations. So he played no rugby from then until pretty much the summer. Uh, so does he actually need to have 10 weeks off? Given the fact that he's probably had more weeks off than most rugby players in the last three years due to injury. I'd, I'd, I'd probably say that Ellis Genge, if you gave Ellis Genge a choice now of playing for three more years, but having early onset dementia or having the full 10 weeks off, this preseason, he would probably play three, four more years. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And his performance uh, at Ashton Gate, by all accounts, was was testament to that. I mean, I saw him run like quite literally through people for both of his tries that were mm. that were that were pretty decent. I mean, you could argue some of the defense wasn't great. Um, Bath Didn't he showing bump off, uh, friend of the pod. He did bump off friend of the pod. Yeah, Mister McNally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but I mean, get him on the phone to talk about that. Many, many a player have been bumped off by this <laughs> Um So, you know, Josh McNally is a, a large human. He, he is a, a very large human, larger than average human. And well, I, I, I would say that he's one of the largest humans I've ever stood next to. Really? Yeah. Just in both width and height, and girth, and just, just like thickness in presence yeah he's the kind of bloke that if you saw him in the naffy in the colonel gaddafi yeah if i i'm gonna judge how many pints he drinks because i might get out of here after four or five <laughs> he could probably drink four or five off, of he, you he, he would he would yeah oh. pints are like thumbtacks to him aren't they <laughs> yeah right well, there were some there were some other games that weren't um available to, to public consumption. London Irish beat Worcester 45-14 at Brentford, which is no big shakes. Obviously, we mentioned Bristol beating Bath 31-29, thanks to a stellar performance from Ellis Genge. Falcons run Quinns close, 31-40 at Kingston Park. And then on Sunday, we had uh, Gloucester versus Wasps. That was 27-21 after a really good fight back from Gloucester with Wasps being 21 up. 21 nil up at half time, and then Sale versus Northampton, which ended 29-22, which is um Sale from Bloemfontein 29, Northampton Saints yeah. 22. Um, I just want to talk about that that try that Harlequin scored. Oh, the um the one that the big fella scored end to end. Oh, yeah. He made the tack, he he made the first pass a meter from his own dead ball line. And then finished the try off a hundred meters later, um, with the lesser spotted Nick David making a massive um and Yanwu break. I thought, it, yeah, he looks like a player some, just come out of nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, just quickly, are we gonna finish off or are we gonna? Yeah, no, we're gonna finish off in in two minutes. So what? Because 
because this is a welcome back podcast, you're going to take it easy. Oh. I'm going to take it easy, and I don't want to keep the people too long with with us moaning about some stuff. So we're okay, going to have so many other businesses. We're going to have nine. Then, yeah. We're going to have ninety seconds worth of any other business. Then we're going to get the flock out of here. Right. right and then next week we'll be back and we might go for a bit longer and we may be a bit more interesting. Maybe your so, internet will work. And if we go then, is is my internet been shambles? Gash. Absolute gash for someone that works with BT. Okay. Cheers. Anyway, 90 seconds. Douglas, you go first. Uh, my any other business will be around the process of the weather in Great Britain. Right. We had tickets to a test match that... Um, <laughs> was in september i won't go into the ins and outs of you know basically watching rounders for six months before the before the test match but how about you know you can just hang on to the all-time record drought period for three more days so me and russ can go and watch a bit of cricket (laughs) not a single ball not a single ball two tests no balls go russ uh yeah not great ben after you um i'm just gonna say uh Hello to Nicole Bailey, who at the Hornets Friendly the other night actually made a request that we record another podcast. So at least one person will listen to this. Well, I know she she always she's always been a big supporter of ours. She's always listened. Up, to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she said she's been looking forward to it. I mean, probably more than what we have. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I, I don't really have any, any any other business. I'm just glad that the the domestic playing cricket season has finished. Um, and I'm going to finally, you know, get back to playing some proper golf and going to try and enjoy it. But it was nice proper to see golf. Douglas the other didn't week. Any of that hair with Downs, did we, Rusty? No we, no, we did not. Some of the worst golf you're ever likely to see in your life. Apologies for that abrupt ending, all over fans, but unfortunately we're too tight to pay for Zoom and we ran out of time and we didn't think it was really necessary to go through another 40 minutes for you. So we'll see you next week. We'll be back a little bit stronger than not coin a phrase from another podcast. We'll be back a little bit better. It's been a long break. We're hoping to rekindle a bit of love for rugby and we'll see you all next week. Go well. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.